Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerja Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerja Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerja Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we are continuing our conversation for the month on resilience and strength. And I'm really excited about this particular conversation because it also is going to talk about black excellence and black joy. And I want to introduce um, our guest. Uh, actually, Voice America connected us. And so um, we're having an opportunity to talk about her entrepreneurship, her journey in game development, as well as just listening to her wisdom of really living bold and on purpose in her own resilient story. So let me introduce to you Liz Renee. She is the founder of Poe up card game. She's a daughter of immigrants. Liz is a proud first-generation college graduate and alum of the University of Georgia. She has dedicated her work full-time to dismantling oppressive systems and amplifying Black stories as a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner turned full-time entrepreneur. Liz launched Poe Up Card Game in November of 2020 in the midst of racial justice movements, protests, and demonstrations. One model prevailed that inspired the launch of the game, Black Joy is a Form of Resistance. Poe Up Cards is more than a party game. This Black-owned card game is an opportunity to contribute to the movement of racial justice by centering on Black joy. As a result of this unapologetic commitment to celebrating Black excellence, Poe-Up has been highlighted by major brands, including The Shade Room, Mayel, Wade Sellers, College Express, Target While Black, and more. So, as I shared, I'm excited on so many levels, and she is also a member of the Delta Sigma Theta Incorporated. So welcome to the show, my sister, my soror, as well as an entrepreneur on the blaze, Liz Renee. Welcome to the flip side of adversity. Thank you so much for having me, soror. We have so much in common, so I'm just happy to be here in the space. I know. And as soon as they heard <laughs> the work that you do, everyone probably was like, oh, okay. So we understand what we understand where, where this is going. <laughs> so I'm excited um, in, in the many ways that we can um, build this conversation out. But I think first kind of tell us a little bit about from your perspective, um, how have you actually been able to create a flip so that you're that you've landed where you are now? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like honestly, sometimes the flip is not a product of my own doing. It's a product of God's doing or whomever you believe in, because I'm the type of person where I make a plan and I want to stick to the plan exactly as is. And I do believe that sometimes divine intervention has to take place. 
For me personally, um, it was earlier this year when I was laid off from my full-time job. It was a nice cushy job that I was not about to let go on my own doing. And so something had to happen. And I have had this card game for going on three years I always was very inspired by people's stories of full-time entrepreneurship, but I felt like I had to have all my ducks in a row in order to take that jump. So I think God was like, you know what? She not, she's not doing this on her own, not with this job. So let me just <laughs> give you that little push. And so now I found myself in, in a p- circumstance that could have been viewed as negative because you're laid off from a job. But given my circumstances, it was actually an opportunity to take some time to one, relax and, you know, not have a job, which like it's been a very long time since that's been the case for me, probably since high school, to be honest. And then two, really experience what entrepreneurship feels like to do something fun, like a card game. It's not like I'm peddling shea butters, which, you know, that's important too. And that can be fun, but like nothing's like having the opportunity to share a product that's a card game with the world. Yeah, it's a game, right? Bringing back kind of that joy, that interaction. I, I think about coming out of a, of years of being in isolation and disconnected. This is really an a very intentional way of bringing people back together and stirring up nostalgia, right? And and memories and connections. Um, so before we talk about the game, I would like to dive a little bit more into, so what has the entrepreneur journey taught you thus far? Now that you've been pushed into it and everyone is kind of like listening, they're like, ah, yeah, they do have a whole lot (laughs) in common. Their stories are paralleling. So what have you what have you learned about entrepreneurship or even from the experience? Yeah, so I've learned a few things, one being that not everything that glitters is gold. So there are moments where because for me, the job security looks different. It's just not as comfortable. But as we know, you know, growth happens in spaces where you aren't as comfortable. But I, I won't lie, like it hasn't been as glamorous. There have been moments where I'm crunching the budget and I'm like, all right, now what has to give? But another thing that I will say is it's also taught me the power of relationships and sometimes circling back to old connections to leverage those relationships because you never know, especially end of year, fiscal year's closing, people are trying to close out those budgets, make sure they're spending down those budgets. And so people are willing to support um, good people. And whether it's my game, whether it's DEI and me not doing it for an organization, but doing it for me as an individual, um, I've been very proud of myself in a surprising way for being able to do with what I have um, without, you know, not to give too much information, but without having to tap into my emergency savings yet. That's a blessing to say that Mm -hmm. I was laid off in January and I haven't had to tap into emergency savings. That's huge. And, And I'm blessed to have that when the time comes. So Yes, it just definitely taught me that, um, you know, not all that glitters is gold and the power of, you know, just tapping into those relationships. I have to really connect with you on that because uh, before um, I launched Living Strong seven years ago, I was someone who really focused more on putting my nose to the grind, working it out. I had... um, 
I also had a, a great position, really was actually more focused on um, getting that next level position, not entrepreneurship. I too got put like pushed like door slam. And, oh, okay. I guess entrepreneurship it is. <laughs> but in that journey, in doing that, just keeping my head down and working, I often would not cue into the net worth of the relationships I had cultivated year after year after year. I was just so busy on doing the work. And I have to agree, it was the push and the urgency of having to take risk, do things outside of my comfort zone that made me actually look at the amount of relationships I had cultivated, as well as understanding they understood the quality of the work that I did. So why not go back and tell them, hey, I'm not there right anymore. I'm here, I'm doing this thing and you know who I am. Is there an opportunity for us to talk? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the game. So tell us about your story and how the game itself came about. Yes. So um, as you mentioned in my intro, I'm a proud Georgia Bulldog. Go dogs! And when I say that and people hear about POEP, which is a party game celebrating Black college students and alumni, the first thing they ask is like, wait, University of Georgia, that's not an HBCU. So why did you make a game about Black collegiate life? And I have to remind them that we have 90% of Black college grads that are going to various kinds of institutions in addition to HBCUs. And we have some very similar, unique, and connected experiences because we're still Black college students and alumni navigating America. Um, yeah. And so ironically, we, we romanticize some of those college days. Everyone romanticizes their college days, but the Black student experience specifically, it just hits different. And we've seen it in higher learning. We've seen it in school days. We're seeing it in grown-ish. It's always been captured in film, but never necessarily in a, an active way, like a card game. And so the concept came to be during a party when I was hanging out with my college friends about seven years after graduating. I wrote down some note cards as an icebreaker um, just to get the party going. And what was supposed to be 15 minutes of a conversation ended up being hours and hours of nostalgic conversation. And so that's when the concept of, oh, this could actually be a game came to be. So the questions themselves kind of um, take you back into your memories to be able to share forward in playing the game and being able to, to answer questions and share. Is that the concept? You hit the nail on the head. That's the concept. There are no winners or losers. We say Black excellence deserves to be celebrated, not competed. And so it's all about sharing your memories. Mm, powerful. So what does POET mean to those who aren't familiar with, with the Black experience of being either a Black student at a predominantly white college or a Black student at an HBC? What if I don't have that perspective or experience? How is this game relevant for them? 
Yeah, so I would say POAP is essentially just a celebratory expression to, to celebrate your excellence in whatever form that looks like. So for those who can't necessarily relate to the Black college experience because they either didn't have that experience or they're currently not in that situation, I say that you're able to learn from the experiences and you actually realize you might relate to the game and the concepts more than you think. So I always say, um, like they say, never judge a book by its cover. Don't judge this game by the name. Don't judge it by the content because the people who are like, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to play. I didn't have this type of experience. They're usually the ones that have the most fun. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think about um, because we both do DEI work, um, I literally just got back in town from Maryland and had an actual conversation and saying, regardless of your culture or your race or your ethnicity, understanding the Black experience is helping you with your single story of your experience. And so it's it benefits us all in being able to just be able to connect as human beings and being able to see that there are things, just as you said, that are very similar, but there are some things that are not. And will you honor the space for me to have that conversation? Mm. Do you agree? A hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head because I think sometimes my response to that question is making others feel comfortable by saying, don't worry, you can relate to some of the experiences, but what you just said was powerful. Sometimes there's learning that can happen in the spaces where you can't relate, but you're making space to hear someone's very unique story and amplifying the story and not forcing a comparison or a similarity to say, oh, that happened to me too. Sometimes that doesn't need to happen. Sometimes people just need an affinity space to understand the experiences they understand and to get that out without folks trying to, you know, force a comparison or a similarity. So I'm going to keep that in mind when I respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here supporting one another, supporting one another. So can we dive a little bit, even a little bit deeper into this whole concept of your desire to focus on Black colleges and Black students and um, Black graduates, because it's for alum as well. Yeah, so I think the focus initially started based on my personal experiences as a first-generation college graduate, going to the University of Georgia, and really once I got on campus, just I don't know. It, it, it was just something that was so new to me. And every day was a learning experience. And then when I graduated from the University of Georgia and I moved to none other than Washington, D.C., where did my roommate go? She's an alumna of Howard University. <laughs> and so we would have these conversations about our college experiences. And I always knew the immense pride that HBCU alumni had for their alma mater. And it was funny to see how intrigued she was by how much pride I had in my alma mater, even though I went to a different kind of institution. And so, you know, we would kind of explore each other's spaces together. She would come to my UGA Black alumni events. 
I would go to Howard Homecoming with her. And once again, you're just noting that there are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of unique distinctions that are totally fine, but none of those things are um, mutually exclusive. So mm -hmm. why not celebrate those things together? Whereas I feel like when I was in college, there was always an old entire debate about well, as Black college students, you should be going to these types of institutions because of X, Y, and Z. But why not respect people's decisions to go where they feel like they need to go and celebrate the fact that despite statistics, we're breaking these generational curses and that's something to be celebrated. So how, why not celebrate that together, honor the differences while still highlighting the things we have in common. So, so yeah, I created it because I thought it was something that I would want to play. And now we're just, you know, taking it from there. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And um, I, I want to, because I, as doing my researching and prepping for our conversation, you had shared some statistics about how often the narrative has been about um have has had a deficit kind of conversation about um blacks going to college but we actually in the snippet of what you just said i want you to dig a little bit deeper we actually if we keep repeating that part of the story we're missing this uptick this growth um record uh stage in time can you unpack how how you also want to grasp grab that kind of information and change that narrative yeah absolutely i think there's a misconception that when it comes to the audience of black alumni that it's small like oh those numbers haven't grown that is not the case. And I pull those stats out all the time when I do my pitch competitions to let these investors know that this is a large and engaged audience. So 40% of Black Americans over the age of 25 have at least an associate's degree and some level of a college degree. And we know that HBCUs are producing 10% of Black college graduates in the United States. And that's across just about 100 schools. And so the stats go on, like Black college grads have more buying power than the average Black consumer. And so time and time again, this audience has been targeted passively. If you think about the products that are made for us, it's college sweaters, and I have all of them in my closet, and a license plate frame that you could put on your car to say that you went to this school. But when it comes to that, for many of us, we talk about our college experiences all the time. If you've ever talked to anyone who went to Howard University, they're going to bring up Howard and you didn't even ask any questions about Howard. So why not leverage that opportunity with a product that is an opportunity to just actively talk about those experiences? It's like, okay, you got that in you anyway. You don't have to wait for homecoming once a year to get that out of you. Here's POAP. Let's go ahead and, you know, dig into that nostalgia of our college experiences. So you mentioned pitch competitions. Can you tell our audience, um, so they may not be um, creating a card game, but they've got something that's been burning in their heart and they haven't quite stepped out there to really launch it. What are some key experiences you've had to get the game actually to product in stores? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I think visibility is definitely important. And as scary as pitch competitions may be, which are just essentially a platform to not only tell the story behind your product and talk about the product fit in the market, why it's innovative, it's also an opportunity to earn funding. And in my case, that's been non-dilutive grant funding where I don't have to give anyone equity to have a stake in my company. So I still have 100% of ownership in my company and I've been getting investments along the way. Um, and so what I would say is just think about what your unique story is and what makes your product innovative and use that as an opportunity to gain visibility, to gain funding. But then ultimately when it gets to comes to getting your product in stores, I go back to what we talked about in the beginning of this conversation, which is relationships, building those relationships. One of my um, friends who's a fellow entrepreneur actually asked me earlier today, she was like, hey, how have you been getting your product in stores? And I said, you know, well, a lot of Black-owned businesses have really given me the chance but they were Black-owned businesses I was following on social media, already interacting with their content because I truly value what they're doing for the community. So by the time I send them an email to ask if they might be interested in having my product on shelf, I'm not a stranger. I have some level of a relationship. And then just going from there. So so yeah, that's kind of... in. The visibility, the relationship building, those are some key components that I have taken to get my product into stores. I love how you talked about doing um, in, in preparing for or thinking about a pitch and really understanding what's unique. And as you talk about um, POAP, as well as I've seen you on um, YouTube also talking about it, there is such an energy and passion about why you think this is something that the market needs. And so you're, exi you're excited about how it's adding value to the space. And I think sometimes entrepreneurs are so focused on making money that really getting clear on how you're adding value is what's actually going to give you the avenue. The money will come when you actually are solving a problem or you are adding clear value. That will happen, but you have to get clear on why you're here. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, so is there an audience that the game isn't right for? Hmm. Yeah. The, <laughs> I, at first I was like, hmm, that's an interesting question. The game is not right for anyone that does not believe Black excellence deserves to be celebrated. For anyone that's going to sit there and argue with me about why there needs to be a product for Black people, but for why there needs to be a product for Black alumni. I've been there, done that, don't have time for the conversation. And honestly, product development is about finding a niche. And if I found my niche and you are not a part of the niche, respect it and um, don't question it. So, so yeah, if you don't believe Black excellence deserves to be celebrated, this one might not be for you. We could have another conversation about whether, you know, you want to stick to the term Black excellence. I know our community is having that conversation about whether that is elitist or not. I respect that. But, you know, if you don't want to respect the affinity space, I, it's okay to each their own. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting to have that conversation um, around elitism because I know many of the, the 
people who have followed work that I've done in really understanding when I talk about excellence, it's it's not about um, perfection. It's not about actually being set apart. It actually is about just being fully you are living out your full potential. And so this is about individually, are you being, walking out your full potential? And therefore that is your excellence and being able to broadcast that. I found so many people when I've actually asked them, who are you? I've asked this in um, DEI workshops. I've asked this in ministry workshops. I asked this in a bold, women's bold ministry uh, workshop just last weekend. And having people actually pause to say, what is powerful about you? What is beautiful about you? What is speaks to the full potential you bring to the planet? People struggle. And it amazes me, like actually being able to articulate it is it for me is is that excellence conversation. So before we take our first break, um, you had mentioned in one of um, one of your previous um, episodes or shows that there was an educator that used the game as well. How could it help students? How could it help students um, on their journey or on their way to college? Yeah, so um, yes, I have. I had an educator, a high school teacher, who has used the game to pretty much teach students about what the Black college experience is like. And I love how teachers are so um, adaptive. So they took the game, of course, took out drinking, screening questions, make sure there's nothing to making sure it's still age appropriate. And it's just an opportunity to teach them about the different facets of the Black college experience that make it unique from Greek life to, you know, what is a predominantly white institution to what are the HBCUs and what are the different mascots and, you know, what what is Fried Chicken Wednesday? Why is that a thing in certain places? And, oh, people dress up for class. Oh, people don't dress up for class and just getting into that nuance. And so it's a fun way to kind of give them insight beyond what they've been exposed to in the movies and in the media and in, you know, society. You know what, you just, for me, just sparked a thought because I've had educators who have been really scared to have any type of race or ethnic conversations. Like, let's just stick to math or let's just stick to the, uh, and so how do I even start? How could I begin to? And, and the examples of what you just shared are in the context of fun conversation and just again, broadening your single story and and recognize there are multiple stories in this space, but can we have a fun conversation that welcomes different experiences? Oh, you just gave me, I think I might be pitching the... A version of the game. Use it in the next training. Here's another opportunity. Well, we have been having a powerful conversation with Liz Renee, the founder and creator of PoUp, the card game that promotes 
a conversation of Black joy and the Black college student experience. And we're going to take a short break. And before we do that, I just want to remind everyone who's been asking, DM me and texting me about Sandy Cove next Thursday. This one week from today, I will be in Sandy Cove. Um, And ladies, we're having a girls' night out and a day in to on Thursday evening into Friday morning. And we're really actually just talking about getting refilled. You know, this whole conversation of I'm tired actually isn't accurate. If you are tired, you could take a nap and come right back at it. But if you are taking a nap and you wake up just as still tired, it means that you're actually depleted. And so join me next Thursday and Friday at Sandy Cove. And registration is still open. It's at sandycove.org and grab your spot. And I wanna see you in Maryland. We will have some girl time. Um, There's still space, there's still opportunity for you to refill. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit sandracoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back. We have been having a conversation with Liz Renee, the founder and creator of Poe Up Card Game. She's been talking about her entrepreneurial journey. She's been um, walking us through the purpose and intention and passion behind the game, as well as the potential for everyone to learn as they play the game and have just a good old time looking at both the way we're same as well as the way we're different and creating space for both of those experiences. So Liz, can you tell us what are the rules of the game? (laughs) 
such a, a straightforward question. I wasn't ready for the straightforward question. So <laughs> the rules are, of the game are simple. All you do is you pull a card, you reminisce your college days by answering the question, and you pull up to Black excellence with a beverage of your choice. So you can toast the Black excellence with some champagne or sparkling wine, water, kombucha, whatever it is that you drink. But playing is literally that simple. You read everything between the lines. It's going to tell you what to do or ask you a question about your college experience. So as, as you're pulling each card, you're asking someone else to share their thought. And so they have to share and then you cheer. I love it. I love it. So can you tell us, let us into kind of your journey. What was your hardest lesson learned? Hmm. Hardest lesson learned. I feel like my hardest lesson that I've learned is that feedback is a gift, but you have to have a very strong sense of self and self-awareness in order to identify the feedback that is helpful for context the feedback that should actually be implemented because you're hearing it time and time again. And then the feedback that is, thank you, but no thank you, I'm gonna tuck that away. And so it's something that I continue to grapple with in entrepreneurship because you'll hear from any entrepreneur, it can be the founder of the Ring Camera to you know Denise Woodard of Partake Foods, they've all heard no's. But imagine if they took each of those no's and said, okay, that was a no, let me go back to the drawing board and come up with something new. So it's a very fine line between, okay, if I'm hearing some recurring themes and feedback, maybe this is something I need to take note of, but then it's also an understanding of, I know why I created this. And if I start to lose sight of that original vision, what am I really doing? And so it's a really difficult, I'm still learning through it, but I think that's one of the biggest learning moments for me that I've taken away thus far. But that for me actually echoes our earlier part of our conversation. Like when you really become clear on who you are, why you're doing this and how it's adding value, but you have to actually be able to articulate that and stand in that so that when you're listening to advice or feedback or criticism, you're able to put it into context of who who you are and what your objective is. And if you're just looking for, how's this gonna make me money? Is it making me money? You can look up and you've made all of these changes and it's not even your product anymore. Mm, that part. <laughs> that part. <laughs> yes, indeed. So what's been a high moment? So that was a that was that's been a learning curve for you. What's been a real high moment for you? Mm. Honestly, I feel like the highs for me have been anytime I'm at a vendor event, because I still do those in person, someone comes up to my table and they say, oh, you don't even have to explain anything to me. I want this game. It's just a very affirming experience for people to be excited, to see a Black-owned game, to immediately understand the concept, and to just be so excited to really support your business in that way. 
Um, I know I could probably say, oh, being on TV for this or getting this type of funding, those things come and go. But at the end of the day, being able to connect with people who are just genuinely excited about this kind of product and seeing that in person because I'm there, um, it energizes me. I could go like an hour or two without sales and then that happens and okay, I could stand out here all day. Who's next? <laughs> yes. Yes. So how can people support you? How can they get the game? Where is the game? Yes. So we are available regionally um, in about eight states. So if you're in the DC area, we're available in all busboys and poets, um, in Baltimore and Nubian human urban reads. If you check out our find us tab on our website at poetcards.com, it'll outline a list of the locations we're available. And we're proud to say that we're in mostly black owned spaces. So really appreciative of those partnerships. Um, you can also find us on Amazon for your convenience. You can find us um, there. Just type in Poe-Up Card Game. We'll pop up. You can support us there. And if you do decide to support us directly from our website, poeupcards.com, if you use the promo code VOICE, you will get 15% off of your order. Oh, what? All right, y'all, some thumbs up, some hearts, <laughs> jump in there, 15% off. You heard it right here. And for our radio um, audience, I know you held up the card for our Facebook audience, but for our radio audience that this is brand new to them, can you spell POAP? Yes, so <laughs> POAP is spelled P-O apostrophe space up exclamation point so p-o-u-p is poa and it's it's a vernacular it's a it's a kind of a phrase can you give a cultural reference for it so people yes. are like well what is that <laughs> why so, that name <laughs> so first of all everybody's been going to beyonce's concerts i know i think she just did her last concert in new orleans yeah so you listen to one of her songs she says like show up show up Poe up, poe up. Um, but honestly, the, the term comes from none other than Kendrick Lamar's swimming pools, where it's like poe up, drink, headshot, drink, etc. And it's just a celebratory expression used in the Black community to toast in a milestone, a toast to a milestone in life, such as graduation. But it could apply to anything. You could poe up because you're retiring. You could poe up because you got a new job. You could poe up because you're getting divorced. It can be anything. And that's the cool thing about the game because you would think, do I only poe up as a punitive action based on my answer? But no, you could have paid off your student loans and you still got to poe up. Or you could have joined the Divine Nine and you still got to poe up. So it's not a punitive action. It's strictly celebratory. Oh, I love I love that image of it being about celebrating moments. How do you define black joy? Ooh. I know I'm, I'm coming like, at you so well. I cuz I just love everything about. I just love everything about you. <laughs> no, these are some these are good questions. Not that I would expect anything less. How do I define black joy? I feel like I define black joy as unapologetic unfiltered expression reactions to the good and even the bad that's happening to you in life that regardless of your circumstances you're able to find the the good in life and the way to celebrate and i think about 
you know, even during the pandemic, we turned to card games because it was like, yes, something really low is happening in life and things are happening in the world that are out of my control, but I'm going to turn this situation into a positive. And when I say unapologetic and unfiltered, that means my joy might be expressed in a loud way. It might be expressed in a quiet way. It might be colorful. It might be black and white. It might be soft life. It might be the grind, but it's personalized based on what I want in that moment as a black person. So I've never defined it before, even though I've used it all the time, but that would be my personal definition of black joy. Oh, I love everything about it. I love everything about the the thought that you put into it and um, literally the freedom that I, I heard as you kind of released each one of your words. Um, so can you give up, can you, is it okay to share some of the questions on the game? Let's, can, can we hear what, how, how well we might or might not do on the game? <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, this question is from the great debate category. Oh, so goodness. technically, don't worry, I'll just ask the question, but you would typically choose two people to debate this question, but it's a lighthearted question. So it is. What school has the best roll call or chance? In your oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I could see th- get, things getting heated, whole conversations <laughs> going back and forth as that debate happens because people are loyal to their chance. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've heard a lot. I will say the best one that I've ever heard was for Winston-Salem State University. Um, their chant when I heard it for the first time, I was like, wait, can you come again? (laughs) So I'm not, I mean, okay, I'll say it, but I won't curse, (laughs) but it's basically (laughs) chew tobacco, chew tobacco spit. If you ain't a Ram, then you ain't. Oh, okay. And chew tobacco, chew tobacco. Gotcha. All right. (laughs) Gotcha. That's the best one I've ever heard. (laughs) Yes, yes. And you know what? I think about my youngest daughter who, um, for her, starting from her earliest years, kindergarten, she was in a predominantly white um, kindergarten and first grade. Actually, in first grade, she was the only African-American girl in the whole grade level at her private school. And so she continued to... um, uh, she's she always went to private schools, our youngest. And as she got into middle and high school, um, the school itself was small. It was still predominantly white, but she had a, a good cluster of friends. When she graduated, she was like, I'm going to an HBCU. I was like, okay. <laughs> And she um, absolutely has, um, and and I and as her father and I both went to predominantly white colleges, the energy of going to an HBCU football game. She went to South Carolina State. Like the energy, the band, the the whole of all of it. Um, just it, it gave me memories that I didn't even have in my own college experience. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. Let's hear another question. Okay. Um, so this one is a black school pride question, and it's just about whether you can relate to this or not. 
raise your cup if you went natural in college. Whoa. Yes. That right there, that whole thing just gave me, made my heart um, palpitate a little bit because I literally, as I shared, I was in Maryland earlier today um, delivering uh, a DEIB training and I actually asked the question, um, what in 2019, who was the Crown Act put in place to protect? And many people had no idea. And so like that whole conversation of going natural, being strong with it, um, overcoming the fear, all of that. There is so much, that conversation, that might take you half the night. We wouldn't be able to get to the next card, especially if it was a room full of black women. Oh my goodness, that journey. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. I am loving everything um, about the your journey, your intention, your purpose. What advice from where you are right now, what advice would you give the entrepreneur who's listening and actually is thinking about giving up? Hmm. Um, first, I would say, you are not alone. I've been there many a times. There are days that I'm not here in the Shopify, you know, ding go off for orders and, you know, where maybe I've gotten some, some consecutive no's and I'm just second guessing whether this is the right um, path. And so I say that because sometimes when you feel like giving up, you feel very alone in that moment. Um, but it's important to remember first that you are not alone. Um, and I think it's also important to remember the folks who have been rooting for you on this journey, whether that's the 12 people who consistently like your Instagram posts, even though they're always changing the algorithm, or it's your one friend who's always hyping you up to, you know, push your product and who's willing to sit with you at a vendor event, no matter what the weather is. So remember, there is someone that, um, that wants to see you win. And so then I think ultimately it's an opportunity to take a step back and really think about what it is that you initially set out to do, um, because that's what I have to do. I didn't make this to, to be a money-making business. I just wanted to come up with an icebreaker activity and then it took itself from there. Um, so if my initial goal is all about black joy it, it has the goal been met? Yes. Um, but if I'm getting down and out because the money isn't there, am I losing sight of what the original goal was to begin with? Um, and I'm saying all of this while also like trying to take my own advice kind of as a reminder, mm -hmm. but I think that's what it all connects back to. And that's why it's kind of been the theme of our conversation, making sure you're not coming up with concepts just for the sake of the money. Um, so you can remember what the goal was. And if the goal is being met, then, you know, maybe it's something that you're not going to give up, but maybe you just shift your priorities and how much time you're allocating into the business or finding ways for that business um, venture to make money passively so it doesn't take up as much of your time. And so that's what I would, would share because I've definitely been there. 
Yes, I think we all have. Um, you touched on, again, there have been so many parallels in our conversation, um, but two episodes ago, uh, I had, um, I, I did an episode all by myself and really just talked about how I had set all of these goals at the beginning of 2016. And I pick a word every year. And my word this year was strength. And I had this goal of um, expanding my business to multiple cities and states. And it by February, there was a, a small quiet voice in my soul that said, what if nothing you set as a goal actually happens. Will you stay bold and still believe me that I've given you a promise? And I have to be honest that nothing I put on that piece of paper has actually happened, but there's been a consistent kind of theme of it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Just stay the course. And it hasn't been what's on my list, but there have just been opportunities, different things that have kept my eye, kept my eye looking up and looking out for the horizon. But I had to get to a place of, am I so committed to the hustle and the grind and my plan. And you said it earlier at the beginning of our conversation, sometimes God switches stuff up for, for, because it's not your plan. I gave you this. So are you actually going to follow me or are you going to follow your grind? And I've been really kind of sitting sometimes scared because <laughs> it has been scary at moments but really sitting in that place of um, staying clear to why I was called to this, as well as remembering that um, the promise I was given, the value that I hold is not tied to my grind. Mm -hmm. And I have to, there's a there's a purpose in the process that sometimes you ask for something and you don't even know what you don't know before that thing shows up and you're not even ready for it. So I'm using this, this season as just believing preparation, preparation. So what's on the horizon for POAP? So we are about to hit year three. November will be three years for us. We are revamping our product by making it literally bigger and better. So we have learned a lot from being on shelf and, you know, what it takes for folks to really understand what your product is about in a split second. So we're going to be changing our packaging design. We have more questions and categories we're adding to the game. And we are introducing a second edition of the game that is not just based on me and what I think is cool, but we actually asked our audience what they would like to see in an expansion pack. They voted. And so we're going to be rolling that out, if not by the end of the year, hopefully right on time for Black History Month. So super excited to, we literally have the design ready to go. It's at the printers for the first updated version of our product. So I'm excited about it. It's been a long time coming. 
That is so exciting. Please keep us in the loop. Keep us informed when the new um, packaging comes out and the expansion game comes out. Please make sure you hit us up so that we can stay connected. I'm feeling like, you know, the holidays are coming up. This is a perfect time to start thinking about how, wh what are you going to do over the dinner table once everybody's eaten and you're full and everyone's sitting there instead of going to the television, actually stay connected, um, have conversation, laugh with one another as well as just thinking about those holiday parties, all of that. So keep us connected so that we can continue to promote you. And I wanna actually formally thank um, our executive producer, my executive producer for um, the show at Voice America. Um, Sandra Rogers is actually the person who connected us together. And I want um, everyone to hear this. So Liz stepped out and just asked a question of Sandra and Sandra asked me a question. And because Liz took a risk of just creating kind of that cold call conversation and asking the question, we now are connected. She now is on a podcast. I was able to say yes and support an executive producer who has been very supportive of me. And it's just a win-win all around. So listener, who haven't you asked the question to yet? This is your moment. This is your accountability moment is bringing up confirmation. So think about that figure out the phone call and make it stop being scared. Before we get off the air, remind us, how can we follow you? Yes, so you can follow us on all social media accounts, TikTok, Instagram, at Poup Cards, P-O-U-P-C-A-R-D-S. And you can find us online at poupcards.com as well as on Amazon and in a store near you. Fantastic. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being so open and honest, um, as well as uplifting and inspiring. And we continue to wish you well. And listeners, thank you for continuing to support our conversations as they are all diverse with many individuals who are coming with a passion and a call to enlighten you, to support you, but most importantly, reminding you that wherever you are right now, especially if it is not a season you want to be in, that there is a flip side in your future. Take the flip, take the step, take the risk, and we'll see you on the flip side. Same time, same place next week. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.